Hey guys, real quick. Did you guys know that then eight-year-old Natalie Wood believed her miracle on 34th Street co-star Edmund Gwen was actually Santa Claus? Did you also know that Will Ferrell ate so much sugar during the filming of Elf that he actually began to have trouble sleeping? And speaking of even more cool things, did you guys know that we have a Patreon? That's right. You can find it at the bottom of the episode descriptions with all of the other links, such as all of our social medias and our website. We would love you forever if you guys wanted to support us on that Patreon where we update our notes regularly and we'll begin to showcase a lot of special content that can only be found on the Patreon. Otherwise, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I also put two and a half shots of vodka in each one of those drinks. And I got shammered on Friday. Hell yeah. I got so drunk for Taylor Swift. And I was like, guys, I made a drink. And it didn't taste strong at all. And I'm like, I made you pink drinks. It's Taylor night. And I met Nick's had like three and a half shots of vodka in it. <laughs> and he's like, Lindsay, this one's a little bit strong. I could kind of taste the vodka. And I was like, it's a really good cocktail, right? I was like, you're not. I was like, I'm sorry, honey, but like, I, and that was how I broke it to him that I wasn't curating it or cutting it down at all and that he was in for three hours. And I was like, please just drink this cocktail. Like, <laughs> I was like, we're watching the whole thing. I'm going to tell Buckle you up. every insider story. Buckle up, Buttercup. I was like, this is what the song's about. This, and, but bless him. He was so, he was like, okay, so like, and and I was like, there were, every now and then there'd be a song that I'd tell everyone to shut the fuck up, right? Because we'd be like yeah. chatting through it Obviously. a little bit. And then yeah. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everyone show their respect for champagne problems. Yeah. And everyone's like sitting there respectfully. And Nick's like, so what's the big deal? Like, why are we like, and I was like, it's champagne problems. And he's like, well, what shut does the that fuck mean? Up, I was like, Nick, just listen. And let Taylor speak to you about that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yelling at the TV. I had like seven or eight shots of vodka. I was like, take me to church, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> with six fully grown men who were just here for it like they were and it was like they were just like all right let's go anyway at it and you're just like why where's the nutcracker part of the nutcracker of the nutcracker yeah you're just kind of like what the fuck dude kind of like a critical element to the story yes. i love the nutcracker did you ever go see the nutcracker and i watch it every year actually my mom just took the kids well she took uh second oldest and my niece to see it this past sunday oh. well, yesterday on the um, stage yeah my niece fell asleep and uh, my nephew fell asleep before it like before Drosselmeyer even gave her the nutcracker. I was like, well, okay, but they're with their kids. So that you know the name of a character in that story is Oh <laughs> dude, it's written by Tchaikovsky, the same guy that wrote um Sleeping Beauty. Of course I'm gonna know. Yeah, I don't know any I'm like I don't know that I could even pull out a dance of the sugar plum fairy out of my ass and know the tune. I don't think I could even I know the name of the song, but I think that's all I got for you. And we used to go see it like in New York. Like I used to go see yeah. it on stage like every year. That's uh you should meet yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you should work on that. <laughs> yeah. Do better, Lindsay. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do some nutcrackering for next year's Christmas special, but for this year's Christmas special. Yes. We're here for something very exciting. Welcome back to a very timeline Christmas, everybody. Yep. Let's go, guys. What's going on? How you doing? Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Yeah. yeah. 
this is our kind of favorite thing. Like we do a holiday thing every year. And um, in the last two years, we have done movies that there are lots of the same ones, right? So we did The Grinch last year. We did like all the versions of The Grinch. And before that, we did a lot of versions of um, A Christmas Carol. But we've kind of run out of that type of thing. Like we don't really have any other ones where they've done a whole bunch of different versions of them and we're interested yeah. in it. I guess the Nutcracker is kind of maybe something we could look at there. Um, but nah. this year, <laughs> nah, I'm good. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> this year we're going to do one that we've been talking about for the last year or so, uh, which is the Santa Claus. Yes, ma'am. And it's many sequels and the, the, now the TV show, the Santa Clauses. So, pretty stoked about this one is this is this one of your old school favorites scott did you grow up with this vhs uh, the first one yes absolutely um i loved this movie growing up um i thought the delta squad elves in the first movie were sick as fuck um i thought it was so funny i thought a lot i thought it was real. even when i was a kid i thought it was really clever how they answered a lot of questions that kids genuinely had like how does he fit down the chimney if kids don't have a chimney mm-hmm. how you know how does he hit every house and all that stuff that doesn't really get addressed it there are elements from other christmas movies that i wish were thrown into this like the polar express handles time really well like time is frozen while the kids are on the train and that's how they're able to get there before christmas and i kind of <laughs> wish they had done that with this where it's My like friend. no i know i just it's in, it's in the tv show which is is it really get ready for me to say that over and over the fuck over again fuck every yeah dude I'm, I'm actually really excited about that on in the tv <laughs> show which i am now enamored with i'm like halfway through season two i haven't finished it but we have to record and get moving so um yes. but in the tv show <laughs> Uh, their son, who is born in the second movie, now a teenager, has the incredible power to see the vortexes in the sky, which Santa travels through. And it is retconned for us to believe that Santa has always been traveling these vortexes through an amazing combination of both science and magic, shown in the like Houston-style control center of the North Pole, which features prominently in the first season of the show. So I'm I'm happy to say a lot of retconning and ex- explanation given in the show. So whenever we're not sure of something about the movies, I'm pretty confident I can pull something out from the TV show to help explain it, that they actually have like put in canon. And look, for the, for the record, the TV show, not a soul has been recast to the point that motherfucking Bernard is in the TV show. Like the uh, like yeah. actually Bernard is in it, and I cannot wait David to talk about where he's been. Yeah, don't worry, we're going to get there. I'm fucking enamored with his plot line. I but, love this um, so much for you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's incredible. Like there's such a thing as the, the what does he call it? The, uh, it's like there's a multiverse of Santas, and I can't remember what he calls it. Um, the Yule verse. He goes across oh the God. Yule verse and what, like, it's honestly incredible. So, um, but no, the show is like very much in canon, but does a lot of like retconning, explaining stuff. It's very Star Wars. You would love it. Hell yeah. So, yeah. So I'll be able to update you on some of those things, but they do explain the, the travel time in the original right. movie. They just say magic. Yeah. They literally, if it's, if they can't explain it, it's just magic or like the magic of christmas or believing which i one of my okay i will say this about this movie one of my favorite things about the message of the first one is that it's not about seeing is believing it's believing is seeing like you have to put your faith in the idea or you're just going to be cynical about it all the time and that's kind of what we get as this stark contrast between 
Scott and Neil, who I love that they shit on Neil all the time. Like that's they do it in all of the movies and it cracks me up. But I do think it's really important that um, there is still at least in the at least in the first one, they very much try to drive home this idea that like it's not about seeing what it is. It's you have to have faith in. And that's kind of Charlie's whole thing is like, have you ever seen a million dollars? And Neil's like, no. And he's like, well, then, but you know, it exists. And Neil's like, what the fuck? I mean, all, yes, to all of this. And that would be the uh, thrust of all of my notes when we get into the first movie. So let's let's yes. get through the beginning stuff and we'll get there to the yeah. to the thematic message in my Christmas movie that's hiding out in there. The first one actually is good. Tell us yeah. about who who participated. In who did all of this? this so the films were written by Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick and stars. I love that you wrote this, by the way, because there actually are other famous people in this. But Lindsay literally wrote Tim Allen and no one else. But it's fine. And, and I didn't know this. Lost. And that one girl from Lost. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. But I did know that Judge Reinhold, who plays Neil, um, he is the older brother in Fast Times at Ridgemont High who for those of you who are fans of eighties comedies is the one that basically brings in the Phoebe Cates infamous getting out of the, the pool in the red bikini scene. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that referenced in stranger things. I believe. Yes, indeed. Referenced quite often, actually. Um, I'm going to let you read the plot because I feel like you spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> I don't know that I, I don't know how much time I spent on it, but I wrote it. Was it was so a whirlwind of typing. <laughs> I wrote it, so I'll read it. All right. Cranky toy maker and terrible dad, Scott Calvin, has his son Charlie for Christmas, which is devastating news to Charlie. Scott, <laughs> like any other Christmas movie dad, is entirely unable to plan or execute any kind of holiday cheer and only grudgingly agrees to even go check when there is clearly someone on their roof. After startling Santa and causing him to fall from the roof to his death, Scott puts on the Santa coat and due to some wild legalities, becomes Santa. He has just one year to gain like 200 pounds and move to the North Pole, but also he has a custody battle that he's dealing with and he's totally going to get fired. And I feel like this movie is like actually kind of overcomplicated. I don't yeah. know. But but the first one's actually legit enough to warrant two sequels and two seasons of a TV show without recasting a soul. I do actually like that nobody got recast. Like they weren't like David Crumholtz is too old. He can't play an elf. You said they just got rid of him in the third one. No, don't worry. I'm going to explain what happens to him. It's like explained in the game. Oh, I know. Like no, I know what happens. Age is like explained. So, um, yeah, it's. I thought that the TV show was going to be like a reboot with mm-hmm. like the next family of Santa. I had no yeah. idea that Tim Allen was in it. Like, I can't believe. Like, legitimately, nobody has been recast. Even fucking Charlie is like it's insane. So, yeah. I do love that. Uh, obviously, you guys can find this on Disney Plus because that's where the show aired. <clears throat> Insanely. There's even a hidden Mickey in the third movie. There's a hidden Mickey in the first one, too. Oh, I didn't see him. I spotted the mm-hmm. third one. I was actually just writing that in the room requirement. <laughs> uh, well, we'll see where he is. I don't I I didn't look him up, but I found the first or the, the third oh, movie. Oh, did you? Yeah, I just like actually saw it. I haven't like I didn't like know that that was there. Hell yeah, dude. It's hard for me to find them sometimes. I don't I mean, they're normally, supposed to be hard to find, but yeah, I, I see them or I don't. I usually see the obvious ones. This one was on the side of the plane in the third movie, but let's briefly uh, visit the timeline. So, yeah, we're visiting the timeline. We're not going to give you guys the usual historical breakdowns like we do because this takes place over multiple years, multiple eras. Yeah, we got other the stuff first, to talk about. 
Yeah, we got we got a lot going on here, guys. Um, the films took the place in 1994, 2002, and 2006 was their release. I didn't. I hate the way I said that. Said that. Here's where things get really sticky and complicated: is the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the first film had a 73% tomato meter and a 66% audience meter, which I feel like puts it as the, yeah, I, I'm, I remember that movie. It's a Christmas movie kind of thing. Like, oh, it was funny when I was a kid, but I don't, I think that's around where people wouldn't be like, that's my favorite Christmas movie or whatever. Like, I think that that warrants that kind of scoring. It's surprisingly low. It's weird that yeah. the tomato meter is higher than the audience score. The audience meter, yeah. The audience um, meter. <laughs> the audience score, whatever. Audience meter, tomato score. The uh, next one tracks better, though. At um, Did you give the numbers? You did. 73, 66, yeah. Yeah. So we're at 56 on the tomato meter and 43 for an audience score on the sequel, which, again, like, I kind of can't believe that the critic score is that high like what the fuck that seems way too high for this movie i think it fits for the first one but 56 is way too high for that and then and then the then the tragic (laughs) then the third one happens then the third movie gets released and it has a 17 percent on the tomato meter and a 39 percent audience score and it is that is truly bad yeah (laughs) that's aggressive Um, I've been telling Lindsay and Matt this all week, but <clears throat> and I may just put a link to it for you guys, but there is a Watch Mojo video of the top 10 worst Christmas movies of all time, and this is number two. Like, the third, the escape clause, and holy crap, watching this, I was just like, no, I get it. Like, I love Steve, Mar- or I love Martin Short, and Martin Short can't even save this movie. Like, it just, it sucks so much. It was, like, pretty bad, but it honestly... Yeah. I liked it way more than 17%. Like, I thought it was, like, perfectly serviceable. Yeah. I stayed awake. I, I don't have a lot of <laughs> notes on it, but I didn't fall yeah. asleep. I mean, you know, I was pushing at the end of Anastasia. Like, I, I don't know. I just that's, think, like, yeah, it could have been a lot fair. worse. I, I It could have been a lot worse, but it really, really did poorly um, financially. Yeah, here's what's wild. So, yeah, all three of these. <laughs> yeah. All three of these were released in theaters. Um, the cost to make the first one was $22 million and made $190 million. It's It's a pretty good, you know, run for a nine, mid-90s Christmas movie. Yeah. Not bad. The graphics aren't great, but whatever. Second one, for some reason, cost three times that at $65 million and yeah. only made $172 million. Like, how? I, I just, where did that, where did all that go? I don't right. know what they spent it on. Like, I truly don't. Like, I, I don't know. I guess it, the North Pole. It had to be like the giant toy soldiers and the complex Santa suit and turning him the into vortex. a Nazi and yeah, the yeah, visuals for the three times that we had them. But here's the crazy shit, you guys. Realizing their mistake, apparently Disney was like, no, you guys get the absolute bare bones. $12 million to make the third one, and it made $110 million, making it, of the three of them, the most profitable. Fucking insane. Dude, right? what? Yeah, it made almost 10 times what it cost to make. Completely like, that's insane. Wild. But you know what's even crazier than that? Hmm. It went to theaters. Oh, I know. I know. Like, I would have expected the third one to be a direct 
Yeah, I could see the sequel making it to theaters, but yeah. the third one, I mean, I'm telling you, the name of Tim Allen stretches far. Like that get that got them some legs. Like Tim Allen. So there's a lot to say about oh, wow. that uh when we get into the rumor requirement because it is funny that you mentioned Tim Allen. Oh, um, is it? The star yes. of all three movies and two so, seasons of television that I would mention him? Yes. He <laughs> um he this is his first leading role. If you didn't know that. He was already on Home Improvement, was he not? And a first leading role in a film. Yeah, okay. I don't know that yeah. he's even had many since. Like what uh, movies has Tim Allen started? Jungle to Jungle. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I just mentioned that. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. I'm Holy a little embarrassed crap. for you for remembering <laughs> Jungle to Jungle. I know. I hate that. Jesus. I'm a little upset that I remember Jungle to Jungle. Yeah, that was rough for all, all right. of us here. Yeah, that was a tough time to be alive. All right, so that happened. Yeah. Um, but that's it, right? I take umbrage with the use of first. I'm kind of like, yeah, this was the movie that Tim Allen starred in. <laughs> Tim Allen was present. You're right, this Scott. Way to the, go. This was the time, not the first time, <laughs> the time. This was it. It was certainly the Tim Allen-est movie ever. Indeed. <laughs> um, so we're going to go remakes. movie by movie. No, so we're doing them, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like To address it, we're doing all of them now today. There's three movies, two seasons of TV. Yeah. Let's go to movie one. So, holy shit. Right off the bat, I need you guys to understand that the first thing I noticed was how shitty this looks. It looks bad. It was a fr- I watched it with friends, and it was the first thing they noticed. Dude, the minute he takes off in the sleigh from the, the roof, I was like, we have had Jurassic Park. We've had E.T. We've had Star Wars. What am I looking at? That's what I said. I was like, this is... Oh. It oh my god. Here's the thing that like kind of irks me the most though is like Comet and the the animatronics are fine. They look fine. Like I was like, okay, I get it, he's fake. But if I saw that at a distance, I'd be like, holy shit, there's a real fucking reindeer right there. I won't even play if I was high out of my mind that I would think Comet in the second one was a real reindeer. Not a chance in hell. But this one, it actually doesn't look that bad but the the graphics the way that he moves the way they're flying over the city like holy crap dude i just what happened i thought that the reindeer looked pretty terrible i Did had you really? a different opinion i thought it was pretty <laughs> bad uh when i was watching with my friends and at first when you see the reindeer from a distance they were like, oh, my God, look at the terrible CG. And I was like, that's not CG. I said, we're, I said it can't be. We're too early in yeah. the timeline for that to be CG. I was like, there's a very real possibility that that's clay. Like, I wasn't oh, sure. I didn't remember. Worse. Right? I didn't. Well, from the far away shot, I didn't remember that they used yeah. animatronics up close. I hadn't seen the movie in forever. Like, I'd forgotten what it looked like. But from the far away shot, I was like, I don't think that that is CG. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think we're there yet. And then yeah. I was like, it's, it's could be clay. And then it's like, no, that was an animatronic on top of somebody's house. Like they, they put that on the roof. Yeah. Like, so, or it was a terrible stuffed reindeer that they, that they had like moving slightly, <laughs> like an iffy animatronic. I yeah. thought, so I thought they were like pretty bad, but acceptable for 1994. We're not using mm-hmm. graphics. Like I was like, it's fine. Like I wasn't horribly offended by it. The CG was pretty bad. Like the chimney shrinking and all of that. Um, 
It was yeah. kind of interesting that the C the CG in the show looks pretty similar. Like when the fireplaces expand, like Oh, they try to keep it in line. Yeah, they didn't try to make it look different than that. It kind of looks the same and but but like more polished, which I liked. And the reindeer though get worse. Like Oh god. Like you said, the second one is bad. It's bad. It's but the worst. The worst thing that happens is when what I just said worked about the CG trying to like emulate the way it looked originally mm-hmm. fucking backfires when they try to do it with the reindeer. Cause they do CG reindeer in the show. Oh, uh, of course CG'd they do. To look like the terrible animatronic reindeer. Which oh. makes it 7,000 times worse because you're like, it's awful. I it's hate that so much. Shocking. And they all speak aloud to, to the daughter because she can hear them. She has a magic power and she can understand them. And it is. Of course she does. Truly <laughs> shocking. Yeah. So I have a lot of problems with the, the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, but I do appreciate that the, the fucking legs that they got out of the set that they use for the North Pole in all three movies. Oh, I know. They yeah, were get, making their money's worth on the North Pole set. Like, without I a mean, doubt. They probably had to. That's where all their money went. <laughs> like, I kind of think it did. Yeah, it, it absolutely had to. Um, <clears throat> So, something that I, I need you guys to understand, because this is how I grew up. Um, every time a movie has model trains in it, I just stop what I'm doing and scream model trains. And I did that like three or four times in this movie. Fun fact for you guys, the train that runs around his bed in the sand when he gets to the North pole is the same kind of train that I have around my Christmas tree that I've had since I was one years old. So that's for you guys. Um, here is where I'm going to start getting really irritated with, especially the first one, because watching this movie, Watching the first one, at least, it's very obvious that this was supposed to be a one-off movie, right? Like, that's how he becomes Santa Claus. And, you know, he accepts it, and he his son learns a lesson and all this stuff, and he goes on with his life, and the son goes on with his life, and everybody's cool, and he doesn't joke around with Neil as much. He's still a dick to him, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Poor I am... I, I just... I'm so tired of the 90s thinking that men can't do anything as dads like he can't he can't make this turkey in the oven he can't like every if you don't if you look if you actually pay attention when they go to denny's it's just single dads with their kids yeah it is it is it is mind-blowing to me that it this is like that this is what passed for comedy Obviously, I wasn't old enough to understand that when I was a kid. So I was just like, ha, 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 that guy at the other table burned his hands. That's so funny. Okay. I hate being right all the time, but I'm going to tell you a story. Please do. Because this is not, this is just real. No, I know. I know it sucks to to know that. When I was oh my God. the ripe <laughs> age of four, it's one of my first memories, a core memory. It created an <laughs> island of my personality and ruined my life. We still talk about it a lot. I was four. Um, I was going through one of those phases where you're a kid and like fabrics are weird or what you want to wear is weird and you do yeah. weird shit, right? And I was like, I don't want to wear underwear. I want to wear tights. I was like, that's what I want to do. My parents were like, I mean, who weird. hasn't been there? Yeah. yeah, it was like, whatever. Um, and my mom would put me in tights and then and put my pants on, whatever. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do for like a little yeah. while when I was like four. And so, again, the at the mature age of four... Uh, my mom, who had just gone back to work, was on a work trip and was not home. 
And so my adult father, who was over the age of 40, <laughs> um, successful, capable adult man with two children, decided that it made perfect sense for me to go to school wearing my skin tone tights, a t-shirt, and nothing the fuck else. Oh, and thought that was no. fine. And I <laughs> will never forget sitting there being ridiculed by all the other kids because I forgot my pants. And I didn't know I wasn't, I didn't realize I wasn't wearing pants until they dropped me off. My teachers were like, the fuck? Yeah. Like, how come she's not wearing pants? Because my dad didn't dress me and sent me naked to school. And I'm sorry, but the Denny's full of incapable single dads who didn't know it takes four hours to take a turkey existed. That's not like, I'm like, shots fired, like fucking reality told. Like, I just, I'm like, I don't even think, I was yeah. like, yeah, that's correct. It's also a ridiculous holiday trope. Like, it is like. It is. That's that's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying that there yeah. aren't like hilarious, like, okay. I'm dude, like, no, that's so real, but also, yeah. Okay, so if we're going down, if we're going down memory candy cane lane here, um, when I was about three or four, my mom ran into my room with the camcorder, and my dad had gone outside with the ladder, and was supposed to be right outside my window with jingle bells, and then he would climb up the ladder and he would walk around the roof to pretend he was Santa Claus, so that my mom would be like, "Oh my god, you got to get to bed." And so this is what I hear. As a three, I, I want to say I was like three or four. I hear my dad go up there. Again, I think it's Santa Claus. So I'm like stoked as fuck. <laughs> so I hear the steps on the roof. I hear the jingle bells. And then all of a sudden, all I hear are the jingle bells. And then the jingle bells falling off the roof. And my dad going, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and my mom on the can I she's got the video somewhere. She goes, Well, looks like Santa's making some mistakes up there, or whatever the fuck she said. I don't oh know. But like, yeah. Santa's fucking drunk. I'll be right back. Santa needs a little bit of help. And she shut it off and made me go to bed really quickly. So like I understand that like dads have this like 90s like trope of fucking shit up, and it's very well warranted. Okay, I get it. But at the same time. It's also not, just, not I think it's reality. more like, it's not unrealistic to me. I think it's just, it's so played out. It's kind of like those really shitty old infomercials where it's like, I'm going to put up these Venetian blinds. And then it like jumps to the next scene and he's like, now I'm stuck in them. Like now I'm trapped in the blinds. Well, you know what? I actually like that kind of hits the nail on the head. Cause this movie is a contemporary of Mrs. Doubtfire. Like this is when the divorce yeah. boom was happening which we had a really interesting discussion about in the Mrs. Doubtfire episode. So I encourage people to check that out if you haven't listened to it. Uh, weirdly, a lot tends to come back to that episode. That is like a- It is actually weird, yeah. That we did. Yeah, there's a lot that weirdly comes back to it. Uh, but the divorce thing is like super real and like the bad, useless dads of the 90s who were starting to be like left by their wives who could do mm -hmm. infinitely better, right? This was like, this trope is born of, this is art imitating reality. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like this was happening. Like people were fucking fed up with the kind of behavior that leaves you and your six year old at Denny's on Christmas Eve because you were like, it takes four hours to cook turkey. Like yeah. Tim Allen, fuck off. Are you kidding me? You paid so little attention to your wife through your whole marriage. You don't know how long it took her to cook the turkey. You deserve to be divorced. Like it's he's I I can't even no, fathom. I get it. No, fuck yeah. Tim Allen and the fuck you, Scott. 
what's his name? Calvin. Yeah, fuck you, Scott Calvin. Ridiculous. His wife has every reason to be pissed. Charlie's so mad he has to spend Christmas with him. Like, but it is a very Mrs. Doubtfiery trope. Yeah. Um, Tim Allen's basically Robin Williams in this until he becomes. Except that the kids love him in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, they do because he's well, and that's because that movie wants us to sympathize with him, whereas this movie doesn't. Yeah. This movie wants us to be on his redemption arc with him and believe in Santa and like watch him become a good holiday guy. But it comes from the same place. And I kind of wonder if Tim Allen like started this trope. Like you see this in Elf too. Yeah. Yeah. Like who else is a bad Christmas dad? Uh just about every dad in a Christmas movie that we watch in like some way, except for like Bob Cratchit. You see, it's kind of like 50-50 because Cindy Lou Who's dad is like top drawer. He is a great dad, except she doesn't have one in the CGI one. And that's kind of like a weird romantic thing that they followed up. If you guys haven't oh, listened yeah, to our Grinch one, like, yeah, we couldn't um, figure out if they were setting it up that they were supposed to like hook up at the end of the movie or whatever, but that's right. But he's a who he's a who or she's a who, you know what I mean? She's like, a who. I, so like, it's a, yeah. Like Christmas dads from like, okay. Jingle all the way does this. Right. Jingle all the way Jingle does all the way this has a bad really well. Yeah, yeah, like it actually Jingle all the way has a lot of connective tissue with this, and it's. I think it kind of does, yeah, and it's like something we're gonna do in the future. Oh, well, for sure, dude. Um, it's one of those like I fucked up. I gotta fix my problem, but I'm scrambling to fix my problem. Here's the thing that I think is really interesting, and it's another thing that you and I are not agreeing on in this. <clears throat> for the most part, under un like. Aside from like, he's clearly a workaholic, right? And he's clearly like a cynical business over everything kind of guy. But he does get upset when he finds out that they told Charlie that Santa isn't real. He does do everything he can to reinforce that Santa is real. Obviously, he's going about it in a really bad way. Like he pretends to read the rest of the book and he gets really irritated when Charlie's asking all the questions about Santa and stuff like that. But he does kind of grasp on to even the first night like the night he's forced to be santa he does kind of like come around to doing it like he's even excited to show charlie like the sunrise and stuff like that so he's not i wouldn't say he's as negligible as definitely arnold schwarzenegger was in jingle all the way like that kid just fucking what the hell arnold schwarzenegger was on another level and honestly so is the dad and elf is like kind of worse than he absolutely is. So I will put Tim Allen between I will put Tim Allen right below the dad from Elf. And yeah. It's because the dad from Elf just like did not give a shit about anything. He has a kid and doesn't pay any attention to him. He's doing it a second time. Like it You get the feeling that if like an adult man showed up in Tim Allen's house and was like, I am your son, like and I and like knew the name of a woman that you'd been yeah. like actually had something. Like an elf, he doesn't just show up with nothing. Like, I think if an adult man showed up with something and made that claim to Tim Allen, he would not kick him out of the Empire. Yeah, State. I don't. That's I think that's the big thing is like he uh, wouldn't yeah. kick him out. He'd just be like, what the fuck? I would agree with that, that the dad and elf is worse. Um, yeah. But this is also like a very like the dad and elf isn't the main character. Right. No, so like, but he's going to have a, a squishy or Tim Allen. Like, we don't want to hate him. We just want to like feel like he doesn't have his shit together, which he deeply doesn't. And his kid doesn't no. like him. And he's yeah. a mess. Um, here's, they want us to like him in the end. Uh, you know, they don't go too hard. Here's the other thing that I really, really liked about the first one that obviously when I was a kid and I watched this, I didn't really understand. Halfway through the movie, this actually becomes a legitimately good example of 
figuring out what you want. He's straight. First of all, Neil is such a fucking dick in the first one. The way that he talks to everybody is, is it's so condescending. Neil's but a also, new boyfriend. For Neil's the husband. They're married. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, they have rings. That's the only way I figured it out. But no, they, um, are, they are married. The other guy, stepdad. <laughs> the stepdad. Yeah. Uh, the guy with the co- the really shitty Cosby sweaters. That's how I'm going to remember. Yeah, him, he like, is. Yeah. Really and they make fun Cosby of his sweaters Cosby. all the time. <laughs> The, when they do that in the second movie, it's hilarious. And the yeah. third movie, I thought you said it. you like that sweater. She's like, "We'll talk about it later." Well, yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> my here's my biggest problem from the jump in Doubtfire. Right, he didn't have great access to his kids, and even then, Miranda infringed on those to pick them up early. You know, even belittling his or like disrespecting him that much further. In this. Charlie now wants to spend time with his dad. Tim Allen wants to spend time with Charlie. He's kind of had this thing reawaken where he's like, oh, my God, like, you're right. I have been kind of like an a-hole. After the first Christmas. After right? the first Christmas. For those who and, didn't just watch this movie. The, yeah. Like, yeah, so, they hate him at first. They do Santa, and then and then they and spend then he's the day like, at the North Pole. They came home. Yeah. They get the year to get ready. And then Charlie like wants to be he, then him. like in the whole year, Charlie wants to like be around his dad all the time. Here's what I have the biggest problem with is Neil went with, there are so many other options they could have fucking gone through. And Neil is like, we should just take Scott's custody rights away. Oh yeah. Neil jumps to that real fast. And, and so what happens is right. He's, they're all freaked out because Charlie has like a great Christmas. Like he clearly yeah. has custody, right? He has custody of him there. They spend Christmas together. He has a great Christmas and he won't stop talking about Santa and that like, mm-hmm. no dad is Santa. Why won't you believe me? And Neil tries to psych, uh, he tries to evaluate yeah. him in the living room. They're like freaked out about this development. They don't feel like it's healthy for him. And it like, they're like, we got to get Scott away from him and him yeah. losing custody. Yeah. Because in the, like he tells Charlie, like we have to keep it a secret. Like you have to stop telling yeah. people this. And Charlie's like, okay, which is salient. That comes up later. Right. Mm-hmm. That comes up in the second movie. So he's like, you have to keep it a secret. But like, he says it to the judge. He's like, I told the judge everything. I told him our secret. And he's like, fuck, like I'm going to lose custody of, you know? Uh, and he does. Yeah. And it's too bad because in Mrs. Doubtfire, he totally deserved to lose the kids. But Tim Allen really doesn't. Yeah, in this. And here's the thing. for the Again, for those of you who haven't watched this in a while, the catalyst that makes them decide losing custody is immediate is seeing a bunch of kids lined up asking to sit on his lap because he's gained a ton of weight from the Santa magic. Mm-hmm. And it, like here... <laughs> The other thing that like I don't understand that's kind of like not tracking for me is he goes to the doctor. The doctor like tells him you're healthy. You're fine. You're at that age where your hair is going to start growing like white. You know, maybe you're just gaining weight. You're at that point in your life there. There's like he has even though he knows what's going on. He doesn't want to sound insane. He has plausible deniability like. I went to the doctor. I'm fine. Like I'm not just doing this like this is something happening to my body. Like what the fuck? But the catalyst is the mom interrupts Charlie in the middle of his soccer game to get him away from Scott like he's some kind of predator and says, we need to think you need to think about what you're doing. And the very next scene is Neil like, hey, I've got an idea. Yeah, let's remove custody in in her defense and in Neil's defense. It is quite a heel turn for Scott. Oh, no, it absolutely is. Right. To go from giving no shits to being like, like. 
he changes dramatically. Yeah. And I mean, they even like they I think it's interesting in in at least the first two movies, his weight fluctuations do mm-hmm. cause like real concern. Like in the second movie, uh, he starts to lose weight because he's losing the magic while he's trying to get a Mrs. Claus. Carol keeps talking about it every time like, she are sees you okay? him. Yeah. She's like worried about him. Cause she's like, why are you so skinny? Like you're losing weight really fast. Like what's going on. So it's interesting how they like make that a thing. But in, in, in Charlie's parent mom's defense, whose name, I don't know. Um, I think it's Laura. I think it is Laura. Um, but like, it's all pretty sketch and he's not like denying the Santa stuff, right? He's like leaning into it and Charlie's like Santa obsessed all year long and he's like not denying it and he's like doing all this weird shit and it's like he seems unstable, right? Like he gains all that weight. He's like totally – I'm from, from a parent's point of view, if I saw like my – you know, like if I saw that, I was going to be like, oh, okay, like what? We're done. Like, we and doing? it's not like he hasn't been causing trouble. It's just like this is a different, more worrying kind of trouble. Like I don't think he deserved yeah. to lose custody. I just am playing a little bit of devil's advocate. But it's – this is – so, okay. Our point being, <laughs> this movie is actually pretty good. Like there's actually yeah. some meat here, right? Like there's a thing yeah. that's happening. The fact that he loses custody – because of it and it's so out of his control and there's this crazy just sort of montage of the year that goes by because they say after christmas eve they're like we'll be back to make you santa in november and he has like this year where he's just yeah like, he tells him you have like 11 months to get your affairs in order and you have to be back here the day after thanksgiving yeah like you move to the north pole next thanksgiving and he yeah. is like a mess and he's gaining all this weight and he his hair and he's like going through all this like physical change and he is like can't talk to anybody about this and the more that he shares it with his son, who's the only one who gets it, the more at risk he is of losing him. Mm-hmm. And like, also, he's like suddenly wants to be a good dad, but like everyone sees it as a negative thing. Like, it's really interesting. And then, yeah, we have the fucking shrink. And <laughs> I have to ask this question like, I is this, who are the other bad boyfriends who are therapists? Like, was Mrs. Doubtfire, was he a therapist? No, he was a businessman. So where else are they? Because I know it's in Ted Lasso, but who else? There are other boyfriends, like bad boyfriends that are therapists. This is not the only time this happens. So the only time I can remember is Phoebe has a boyfriend and friends who is a therapist that inadvertently uh, like classifies the other five. <laughs> no, but it's I'm thinking of other ones where it's this trope. This the ex, oh the, the ex marries a new guy and that guy is a therapist and that guy's a therapist. I there's guy it's gotta be so fucking you common. Go to like I, movie tropes, like yeah. it's a thing. It's boyfriend totally therapist a thing. movie tropes. Like, <laughs> like here's here's some before we move on the the two biggest like problems that I have with the way this movie kind of like progress. First of all, the first movie goes really fast like the movie is like an hour and a half long but there's no great chronological explanation of what period of the year we're in every time we see scott he is literally in warm or cold weather clothes (laughs) yeah he is because of the fat suit you're right yeah so it like I don't because then like shortly after that he starts walking around town and he now knows the kids names he knows that they've been naughty or nice he makes a sexual joke about the woman walking up uh, he's like Natasha very nice and she's like not in there in your dreams Santa and he's like well yeah you know oh my God. <laughs> but, but so the 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 timeline of the movie isn't great 
it's like not very well explained, especially when we get to the end of the movie where it is heavily implied that Charlie has been missing for a full fucking month. It's not implied. It's accurate. It's like they say like, okay, you have to go back to the North Pole the day after Thanksgiving. He takes Charlie with him and Charlie is not seen again until Christmas Eve. Like he does get kidnapped. For a month, the police are there tapping the phones when he calls from the North Pole. Like, he, that's fucked up. Like, I gotta say, like, Tim Allen's willingness to be like, come to the North Pole with me for a month and then we'll do Christmas. Yeah. That's excessive, man. Like, you can't pull your kid out of school. Oh, and he only calls one time. Charlie only calls one time. Otherwise, they're just sitting there like they sad hang his stocking like he's dead. Like, honestly, this is like if Walter White had left with Holly and kept her. (laughs) Like, it's seriously not cool. Like, the fact that they gloss over, like, genuinely, they think their kid is dead. Like, it is the saddest Christmas that they just are like, super is. I can't believe that Tim Allen thought it was, like, appropriate in any way to keep this kid for a month kidnapped at the North Pole. Like, that was a, that surprised me. I forgot that that part of the plot was there. Like, oh, I did too. I was like, surely he's going to bring him back to the house, like, after the, or whatever. But then I was like, oh, fuck, wait, it's Thanksgiving. Like, he's, the kid is leaving right now. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Like, I just, yeah. I was like, all right, all right, Scott Calvin, I don't know that you deserve custody of Charlie anymore. I'm feeling real sympathetic <laughs> to you and all of your Christmas cheer, but you kidnapped that child. Like, I was like, what the yeah. fuck? So it's another very sort of like late 80s, early 90s thing of like, do you know where your child is? And like kidnapping. Yeah, we had to have commercials to tell our parents that we existed. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? And parents were like, oh, yeah. Oh, holy those. shit. The streetlights are on. I'm going to make dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Where are the kids? Like, yeah. Here's the other thing that it's just like it's a thing that I notice, and it's such a huge, like, glaring hole in the overall proceeding of the movie. Um, Scott goes back to work one time. And then his boss is like, see a shrink, see a doctor, see a voodoo specialist for all I care. Just get your shit together. And then he never ever goes back to work. Or like quits formally or anything. He just yeah. He he never. We don't find out what happened to his job at all because the next every time he's Santa Claus. He moved to the north. Well, now he is. Yeah, but he. You got to like tell him. They got to find out. Which is fun fact for you guys. His boss. No. Well, I guess not. It's the nineties. He made a lot of money. Yeah. Um. The guy who plays his boss. I don't know if you noticed this. The guy who plays his boss in the first one is the same actor who plays Father Time in the second and the third one. Oh no! Shit! Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. I always wondered if like they would, oh, now I got to watch the show and see if they retcon it as like he's been watching Scott the whole time because the, th- I think it's either the show or the third movie, I can't remember, reveal that Scott was chosen as a from being a child because all of the other um, like seasonal character or like mythological characters like Mother Nature, Father Time, they're ethereal. They're not physical beings. And Scott is the first non-ethereal Santa Claus, which is why the show is such a big deal because he's not immortal like the rest of them. Uh, you have 90% of that correct for not having watched Yeah, the I show. do. Ish. 80, 82. <laughs> wow. That that's was, a huge That's a huge leap back. I, I'm not sure how much of that was correct, but um, uh-huh. it, is, it is revealed that. 
he is the first human Santa and that he was chosen to be Santa and the Santa clauses. This is why the show is called the Santa clauses because the clauses were written for him. They didn't exist before. Yeah. To keep him in line. Yeah. So the Santa Claus, the Mrs. Claus, the escape clause, the, all of the clauses, right. The, the retirement clause is the one that the show talks about. Like yeah. season one's about, um, but that they were written for him and that the idea is that as a human Santa, he would have kids in the North Pole and that his kids – like that's why they say you have to have a Mrs. Claus, right? That yeah. was the setup is like we're going to get him and then we're going to force him to get married. Then he'll have kids. Then those kids can become Santa and we'll turn Santa into like a monarchy is like literally the plan and the elves have like set this up ahead of time and that he learns this when he goes into the Yule verse and talks mm-hmm. with all the Santas of before. Like honestly the show is fucking out there you guys. Like I highly recommend <laughs> this shit. Like it's like honestly better than than movies 2 and 3 for no question. Movie 1 is really good. Uh but the show is fucking great. Um but but back to back to movie 1. But movie one. There yeah. is I I have I I spy. Fee fi fo fum. I smell a theme in my Christmas comedy. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, what's going on? Why is this yeah. so well written? Like it is. Like it is surprisingly confused. good. I'll let you like take this and talk about this a little bit because you were alluding to it as we were getting going, but the uh the kind of just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist um, yeah. motif, you know, that is happening for him because he's such a fucking cynic. He is. So that's the thing. Like, he does tell Charlie he believes in Santa, but you get the idea, like, right off the bat that he's like, I mean, I believe in the idea of Santa, but I don't believe that Santa is a real physical person. And he tells Charlie that because he, first of all, I think a part of it is he wants to make a dig at Neil and win a battle against Laura. So he's like, yeah, absolutely. Santa's real. Go fuck yourselves, guys. Get out of my house. Like, I think that's part of it. But I also do think that he wants to keep that magic alive in Charlie for as long as possible. But the whole idea that uh, he's not a Grinch, right? That's important. He's not a Grinch. Like he isn't actually like he does come home on Christmas Eve in time to go to like, it's not like he's not there. Like he. Yeah, he doesn't hate Christmas. He just is kind of the worst. He's just kind of useless. Yeah. Um, it is also <laughs> he is. Yeah, kind of like it's it's so 50-50, dude. Like I start off thinking like, nah, he's not bad. And then I'm like, holy fuck, he kidnapped that kid. That's right. Like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm but, still upset about not thinking that it was gonna take time to cook a turkey. Like I'm like, Oh, I know. Come on. You didn't think about Christmas dinner? Like fucking no, of course you didn't. Um, here's the here's the one, that, and an elf borrows from this is the the power of Santa Claus comes from the overall amount of people that believe in him. Yeah, and we see yeah. that in elf, like his sleigh cannot fly unless those people believe in him. Yeah, it's and very like, very similar to the. Actually, I Loki think this is like a weird crossover to elf because the their first kid's name is Buddy. The human at the north. Oh, I would be so okay with that. Except, like, like, it's not not possible to be. Like, I'm just saying. Anyway, go on. Elf and the Santa Claus take place in the same universe. I'm so here for that. I'm just saying, it's not impossible. No, that would I I would I would be okay with that. Um, but yeah, so the whole thing, and it's Bernard that says it to him, but Charlie kind of like tells the adults. He Charlie drives it home for the adults. Is seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You have to like if you believe hard enough that Santa exists, and we see this in contrast with Charlie to the little girl sitting in the in the living room. 
that she throughout the whole year believed that what Scott said and made the joke about being lactose intolerant was real. And so you, and it, it, the opposite comes when Neil talks to him and everything that Charlie says, Neil has some kind of snide snarky. I know more than you answer. It's very Danny DeVito and Matilda. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm big. You're small. I'm smart. You're dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, My and mom then, used to say that to me. It's really nice. I'm sorry. Um, but household <laughs> <laughs> ever. I'm like, yeah, I remember. I remember that endearing message told to me every day. Holy <laughs> shit! What are we doing right now? Do I need to call Neil? Do we need like therapy. a therapy? Therapy. <laughs> I'm like, mom and dad both failed me. I think is what I've established in this. Episode yeah, so kind of sounds like it. My mom never fell off a roof, but I did watch her throw up in the Bellagio. Uh, lobby once. I mean, that's the- just being at the Bellagio. I, my mom fell out of the tree, out of the big tree in the yard. Did she really? Hanging lights up in it on the top of a ladder, like this giant Holy ass pine sh- that was in the yard. Ate it while she was trying to put lights up that everyone told her that like we didn't need and it's not worth risking your life to decorate the front yard <laughs> in that way. And everyone was like, mom, like this is unhinged. Like we don't actually like, <laughs> there's no cause to be up on the Like it was like one of the, the serious ladders, you know, not yeah. like the ladder in the, in the garage that gets you up 10 yeah. feet. Like this was like the no bullshit ladder in the top of a wild pine tree. Yeah. The one that the locks at the lights. top and yeah. Nope. She almost died. Like we were like for Christmas chair. So anyway, for christmas cheer i love that uh, absolute nightmare this was before led lights too so if one went out they all went out and then it was like the cart i learned most of my most choice swear words when lights would go out on my mother's house <laughs> mom it's you oh sex to suck while she's like trying to put together this whole <laughs> holiday by herself because my dad's like taking us to danny's if she's not there like it was just <laughs> like you feel bad. i don't know man I, I this whole the plot of this movie fucking resonates with me this is <laughs> like, this movie is basically about until the dad becomes santa this movie is about Lindsay. I'm like, well, it could have been. I'm like, God, thank God, Mom kept doing Christmas. Trust me, when Dad and I did Christmas the first time alone, we almost did. We went to, we went to the high class version of Denny's, which is the nice sushi place. <laughs> but yeah, we did that's, have that Christmas where it was like, oh fuck. I do think it's funny that there's and that's another trope that you get a lot of in Christmas movies that the only restaurants open are Chinese food restaurants. No, that's a true thing. I was but just it's talking totally to true. My friends I know. about that. No, it's because the, because uh, it doesn't have to be Chinese restaurants. It have to be someone who is not Christian, and that's what tends to be the outcome if you're looking for restaurant chains yeah. that are not run by Christians. You're probably getting Asian food, so that's how that runs down. My friends and I were just talking about that. I have a bunch of friends who are going to be like in the city for Christmas, and they were like, "What do we do?" Because I'm not here to cook for them, right? And so they're like, <laughs> "I know." Right? I'm like, "You guys are to wait till New Year's." But they're like, "What do we do?" And I was like, "Fucking go out for sushi." What do you think? And they were like, "Oh yeah." Asians like, and they're all like a lot of my friends are Asians like yeah. they were like stoked they were like yeah actually good point they'll probably get hot pot um, oh that's a great idea anyway we're talking about a movie I think I haven't had a chance to tell you about that experience I know <laughs> it was great um, I'm so excited that this happened for you anyway yeah. I I do like the, the yeah so this whole like believing and seeing and all of this stuff like they reinforce it really well in the first movie like he says uh even as it's happening, like they're delivering presents, like he's like riding in Santa's sleigh with his son. And he's like, yeah. when I get up, I'm going to get a cat scan. And like, yeah. that was really funny. But it was like all of this like buy in, like you said, like he's like thinking it's all sweet and he's in it. He doesn't he still doesn't really believe it. Yeah. Um, it's when it starts affecting his life and he's like, holy shit. 
Yeah, I think when he's like gaining weight and like can like read the minds of children on the street. Yeah, I think it starts to sink in. Like, mm-hmm. but and he starts to like it like very quickly. I think that's my favorite part about this movie is he doesn't like. He's not like, God damn it. What the fuck? Like, how do I get out of this? He's like, okay, like, all right. I, th- I'm part of this now. Like we gotta, we gotta do this. Cause when he brings Charlie back, like he is as bought into this as possible. He's like, Charlie, you can't come with me. I got, I can't be selfish anymore. Like there are hundreds of thousands of millions of kids mm-hmm. that are counting on me now. And so Charlie, oddly enough, learns a lesson himself that he can't be selfish, even though like 10 minutes later, he shakes the fucking snow globe and Scott comes back, but. Oh, which is actually pretty cute. And then go for their little ride. Yeah. It's interesting the way they set that up too, because as much as the, the following two movies are terrible, um, they do queue up from that thematic point mm-hmm. and like go, like most of the thing with the next two movies, unfortunately really it is two of them in a row is like him still being kind of a bad dad. And we'll, we'll talk about it more, but it's like, that thing of like, yeah. is it? I'm choosing all the children in the world over my kids, over yeah. my kids because I'm Santa, which is like a very like. We'll talk about it in a second because we're like pretty much about to get into the second movie. But yeah. it cues that up. But overall, I just thought it was like a good motif. It was like a nice theme, like seeing versus believing thing, and like it was done really well. And it was done well with like Neil and the mom, like just like coming around to it in the end. They reminded me a lot of um the mom and Ant-Man and how much they get like on board. Yeah. Scott with randomly. So I don't know what to do with that right now, but (laughs) with Scott Lang, there's a lot happening, a lot going on at the moment, but yeah, they, I I think that that's like, they reminded me of them. Like they got on board so fast and like kind of become the good guys. And like, everybody's a happy family again. Like it's funny how these Christmas movies, like they actually sometimes are really good. No, just that they have like, Christmas lends itself to like some nice thematic stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tied up in a forgive, forgive me for saying this in a nice little bow. Nice little bow. Yeah, and like, but they are like they're the themes are tight. Like it's a tight story. Yeah. It's like this is the message and this is the thing and the conflict and th- then it has like a nice warm gooey center and like even the Grinch does a really good job of this. Like in all iterations of it, even the versions of it that we didn't like. It's true. It is all about realizing what Christmas is supposed to be about and that it's not, you know, it, well, because I can't say that because then Scott becomes a bad dad about his kids. So it's not, it's not about you. It's about you and everyone kind of thing. It's about giving, which is what the, the TV show has a, the first season of the TV show is about like, it's, it's about giving, not receiving, um, it just, I don't know, these Christmas movies just sort of lend themselves to nicely defined thematic arcs, like better so than we saw in the Marvels. A lot of the movies we talked oh, about yeah. were like, oh, they almost had this like nice little commentary on X, Y, or Z, yeah. but they blew it. They made it too complicated or they didn't follow through on it or they spent too much time doing a singing and dance scene on another planet or whatever. <laughs> and like, I, these yeah. Christmas movies tend to, to do it pretty well. And maybe they just have like maybe the bar is lower. I don't know. I feel like it is lower though. I mean, Hallmark could do this twenty eight times in a single day. Like it's you know gotta be pretty do. fucking. Yes, can we please? I already know what you're about to say. Can we fucking please? Like I want to do like an assortment. Like I knew pick it. a few that are like about the same thing. Like this is our like our usual Christmas mo. Yeah. Like we should pick like a few different Hallmark Christmas movies that are like objectively the same. Next year. Have you seen 
the gifts and the memes that are like, remember, ladies, this Christmas when you go home and meet like the sweet man who owns like the gingerbread factory, just make sure to ask him where he was on January 6th. (laughs) (laughs) Before you give up your life in the big city and move home for him, (laughs) where he was on January 6th. Holy shit. Or no, like, the one the I <laughs> ladies, there's gonna be some night I want I want a Hallmark Christmas movie about like how sick it is to be single on Christmas and no one touches your chartreuterie. Dude, right? First of all, <laughs> I like how have we not done that? Where someone is watching like their friends argue about the family coming to dinner or like the whole family staying at their house that weekend and she's like, I'm gonna be home on my Shakukaru board or whatever, and like not fuck like doesn't care about her fucking friends. That's what I want. Not every Christmas movie needs to be a goddamn romantic comedy, you guys. Like, no, I want to see one where we're chilling and like maybe we get hot pot. Like, oh my god, that's exactly what I want. That's what yeah. I want. That's all yeah. I need. <laughs> they have some really cool hot pot places in Boston. But yes, that is absolutely because the meme I keep seeing is they take like twenty Hallmark movie posters and they're all the same. The colors are just swapped between who's wearing what. Yeah. But it's always a tall dude with a short blonde. And she's wearing red and he's wearing green or vice versa or whatever. Or sometimes there's a mom with her arms crossed in the background or whatever. They're always oh, the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do – I've like rarely seen any of those like the proper Hallmark movies. So like we should do like a a very Hallmark Christmas one year. Yes, we, we But I feel like next should. year we want to do the Home Alones. I think or that's maybe what, the Nutcrackers. We'll but, put it to a poll. But yeah, I feel like Hallmark would win. Hallmark would be – Excellent. I think that would just be so funny. Holy shit. Anyway, we got some rumor requirement shit here. We have like a couple rumor requirement things for movie one. I don't even know that we have a rumor requirement for movie three. Not really. Or um, two. Like I don't like not for two all. or three. And my rumor requirement stuff at the bottom was just shit from the first movie anyway. So um, if you guys remember from the first one, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, except for the act that all the kid actors are fucking slayed it in this movie in the first they one, did. except they did. for the kid that leads the Delta squad elves. Yeah, like yeah, that sure. was so overacted. It just generally like, though, the elves are good. They, but it makes sense that they hire, yeah. uh, you know, the head elf is usually a little older. Um, oh yeah. David Crumholtz as Bernard, who I love yeah. that Scott keeps getting his name wrong. <laughs> Even the next one, though, is a little bit older. Like, Curtis. he looks young, Curtis. Yeah, but you yeah. can tell that that's just a young-looking older kid. And uh, and the same with the head elf in the TV show. Curtis is the head elf for two movies. And then they switch for the TV show. But anyway, yes, the kids generally pretty spot on. Even the ones who are not supposed to be elves do a pretty good job. Yeah. So... In the scene in the first film when Charlie – this is another thing that like I don't know what time of year we're in. Charlie has career day at his school and he brings Neil and Scott, which I don't understand, but okay. Um, And Neil tells Charlie it's okay for Scott to go up. Charlie goes up and says, my dad is Santa Claus. If you pay attention on the side of the classroom – one of Charlie's classmates is an elf and is also the only one who doesn't laugh when Charlie says my dad is Santa Claus. Oh, it's probably an elf on elf rumspringer. No, like they're there to monitor Scott. 
And we know oh. that because at the end of the movie, when Delta Squad elves save Christmas and he flies away, a bunch of the kids snake their way into watching him fly away. And then they leave, too, because their job in the oh, real world true. is over. That's true. <clears throat> um, here's something that's really upsetting, and I'm glad this didn't work out. But uh, Scott Calvin's the role of Scott Calvin was originally supposed to be written for Bill Murray. But after he was offered the role and read the script, he said it doesn't match his comedy. And I 100% agree. Yeah, it would have been weird. Tim Allen did a great job. Tim Allen does a great job. But speaking of Tim Allen and all of the things we said about Tim Allen earlier, Tim Allen is a felon. For those of you who don't know, he, is he has a criminal record. And Disney is staunchly anti-ex-con and had to be convinced by Bill, uh, Bill Murray by Tim Allen's agent and numerous other witnesses for Tim Allen that he should be the next, or he should be cast for this role. And that there was the only, if memory serves from the notes I read, one of the only times that an exception has actually been made and fucking topically. Yeah. Holy shit. Going to take a break from the past and jump into present real quick. For those of you who didn't see Jonathan majors is no longer Kang the conqueror. The, I think it was within an hour. It was fast. They yeah. were re- they had all their PR ready to go. Oh, yeah, they were Jonathan they were all set. being convicted of sexual assault and no, it's just it's assault. It's not even sexual assault. It's he hit her. Jesus, it's assault and battery. Uh, two misdemeanor counts of assault and battery. Two were thrown out, or he was acquitted of the other two, but we don't know what the sentence is. Uh, and within an hour, Disney said they have parted ways with Jonathan Majors. So yeah, done with Jonathan Majors. So, which is very much a good thing. And let's just recast. I don't have any, they don't have to explain that to me in any way. We just recast it. End of story. It doesn't matter. Pull a roadie from Iron Man to Iron Man 2. Yeah, just just undo it. Pull a Hulk. They've they've recast it majorly. We've done it twice. Just whatever. And and yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm all right with it. Uh, but the last one that I have for their room of requirement for the first movie is the hidden Mickey is actually when they're flying over the North pole, the moon and two clouds make the Mickey head. Oh, funny. Mm-hmm. The one I saw is on the side of the plane in the third one. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. See, I always forget to look for them too. Like we should have been doing this for I all the Renaissance movies. In this movie. I like forgot that it was a Disney movie. I like kind of did too. Yeah. But I do. I have a couple room requirement things for movie one that were just like truly room of requirement. Like I don't know where else to put them. <laughs> what to say? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where else to put this. <laughs> so, um, first of all, let's start with the most room like room requirement yeah. things. No, let's just start with the things that fit what you were just saying the most. Uh, home improvement reference. Absolutely, it was. It was a hundred percent intentional. Yep. First time he's in the the workshop, he has a little tool belt that he tries to put on, but it's too small because he's Santa and he's huge. Um. <laughs> And a Home Alone reference, right? Yeah, when he shaves the first time and it grows back and he screams in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely a Home Alone, like, yellow face reference. Um, Most deaf. And then I just think it's just, it's, okay. Two points related to this because this is something that has been fixed by the TV show. Lay it on me. So 
they arrive at the North Pole and nobody mourns the death of Briar Santa. Oh, I know. It's so crazy. Nobody says a fucking word. They just like take it for granted that Tim Allen is Santa. And the retcon is so great. And it's the retcon we talked about earlier where he was chosen as the first human Santa. So all the elves are waiting for him. And the the news, like the Santa that dies tells him in the TV show, what, you think I'm fucking Santa? You think you can just scare me off a roof? And it's like there's been a bunch of Santas over the millennia and there's the Yule, the Yule verse and like all the billions of mm-hmm. Santas over over time. And Krampus is there and it's like across the multiverse of Santa Clauses and like <laughs> Santa through. It's honestly fucking crazy. And <laughs> but it explains why he does show up at the North Pole and no one mourns Santa because Santa's not dead. That was all staged yeah. to set him up to put on the coat and become Santa and like start this new hereditary like santa monarchy that they mm-hmm. won um which yes the crown did just finish so uh, of course it did here we are lot. um it wouldn't but, be an episode unless Lindsay mentioned something else she's watching unless i was watching something else than this <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i get so that explains why he's able to to arrive at the north pole and no one gives a fuck about no one gives a santa. shit yeah and they're really intentionally kind of gaslighting him into being like no you are santa like they just are like accept this yeah like it's like, a magically <laughs> binding contract or whatever yeah. yeah although i will say this i in the vein of like no one mourning it or whatever i do think it's funny how quick-witted they made a lot of the elves like when judy brings him the hot chocolate he's like thanks and she's like uh, it took me 1200 years. He's like, well, you look good for your age. He's like, thanks, but I'm seeing someone in rapping. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Like, it's so good. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. There's a lot of funny humor in these. There is like there, there were genuinely a couple times where I actually like did legitimately burst out laughing. Like anytime that Scott talks to Neil is so fucking funny. Holy shit. Yeah. Or about Neil. <laughs> it's just, it's so fucking great. Let's uh, let's move into movie two and start to wrap us because that's a most of the conversation at this point. So in movie two, the first thing that I want to mention is that Bernard is not here, nor is he a thousand years old. Because I was like, is Bernard in the second movie? Because Bernard yes, he must is. Have- Bernard's in the second movie. He's a completely different Bernard. He's like animate first of all you guys got to understand no, no no but i'm saying he's not yeah he's you're right he's here he's here but he's not a thousand years old oh, i no. thought that he would have like aged i thought that the actor that played bernard would be i was like he's not he can't be in it right because he's way too old to still be an elf but no somehow bernard has not aged out of this shit in the yeah, second it's eight movie. years later like what the fuck yeah <laughs> but he's doesn't remain I guess so. I misspoke earlier. Bernard is still head elf in movie two. He's no longer mo- head elf in movie three. But the but Curtis is in movie yeah. two. Like we Curtis meet is Curtis the one that basically makes the problem. Okay, so movie two. the The plot of movie two is that Tim Allen remains Santa Claus. He fucking loves it. He's Santa. Everything's great. Having a great time. Charlie gets to come up and do Santa stuff with him. We think. Yeah, and he really likes the the family. They have a new daughter who's like six. Like everything's going great for Scott. He's a rock star. He is Santa. And then he finds out that there is the the Mrs. Claus and he has to find a wife before Christmas Eve or the magic will disappear and he will no longer be Santa. Um, which I guess is the elves way of saying like, and fuck off. Like if you can't if you can't procreate a Santa, then we'll get a new Santa. So they yeah. they threaten to kick him out basically if he can't find <laughs> 
a wife overnight, which 28 is days. He has 28 days. It's just the best. So they send him back to Earth and he gets skinny and he's like living in his ex-wife's basement, like trying to find a girlfriend. Right. And then. Tate's the Molly beep, then there's the, and then and the, and that is the tolerable part of this movie right yes. he marries oh the God. girl from lost and it's great and they have a wonderful romantic christmas and we'll talk about her in a little bit but good mean fucking while <laughs> is the b plot of this movie do you want to tell us about this premise because like i swear before god uh, like the b plot to this movie broke my brain i first of all guys <sighs> I loved everything that was happening with Scott and Carol. Every time that they were on screen, I was like, I love this. This is a stupendous plot. Yeah, the A plot. Yeah, I'm totally happy with this. Not the B plot. The B plot is, for some reason, the rest of the elves cannot find out that Scott is gone. I don't understand that, because if knowing now what I know, they all know that he has to be married. Yeah. There's it, the, the, the retcon doesn't care? fix it. Yeah. The retcon doesn't sort it. It's really frustrating. I don't know why they care. And it's like, so as a result. So anyway, Curtis is like, I got an idea. I'm going to put Santa Claus through the toy duplicator. And we're going to make a toy version of Santa who somehow the magic of the toy duplicator brings toy Santa to life. And it becomes a very Terminator Ultron situation where he reads the Santa become an Ultron situation. Yeah. Doesn't it? He reads the Santa rule book and is like, uh, according to this, anything you've ever done in your life makes you naughty. Uh, and then I shit you. I would not shit you. I literally, I would not do this to you guys on Christmas. Okay. I would not shit you timeliners. <laughs> He dresses up as a fucking Nazi naval officer. He does. And makes giant toy soldiers to imprison the elves and give the whole world coal. And that's the B plot. And they're mining coal in Santa's workshops. Yes, it's especially are. aggressive, right? Like it's it like feels Yes. It's it's truly terrible. Um they should have just communicated. It gets out of hand so fast and it's so stupid. And the plastic fucking yeah. prosthetic thing, like the mask that Tim Allen is wearing looks fucking insane. Like the whole, it looks so terrible. Like how much money do you spend, do you spend on that? I mask? think that's like, where it all went was the toy soldiers and the prosthetics. So bad. So bad. Like the, it's just the worst allocation of funds that I could conceive it, of. So it was just genuinely terrible. And then uh, somehow, some fucking how the worst thing in the world manages to have like a pretty meaningful message about like moral gray area and the pitfalls of following orders. Yeah. Like, or at least it alludes to one. So I was kind of like, Oh, I hate this. And it's still not the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It really like, is. It, it could have been worse. It could yeah, it, it absolutely could have, except my, here's my big, my other main issue with the second one is we don't really get a resolution to the two big problems in the movie. The big problem, number one, being Toy Santa. All we see is that they shrink him. But where? what do they do with him after that? I'm almost convinced that I'm going to get an episode of season two of the show that shows it. Like He's right now, they just uncovered Evil Santa from the 1300s. They just brought him back to life with a nutcracker. Like, oh, yeah, I'm Santa. honestly eager to get off of this call so that I could no. finish the Santa Clauses, which is unhinged. Like, why yeah. am I so it's anyway? Kind of, that's kind of awesome, though. I'm confident they'll exp- that Tim Allen will explain it to me later tonight. I really hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I'll report back. Like, honest to God, I'll add a little extra. Yeah, please do. Um, the other 
the other issue that this movie creates is Charlie is misbehaving. And yes, that's, how that's we, right. This is another another part of the of the plot, I guess. Yeah. So Charlie is misbehaving, which creates this issue for Scott where he doesn't want anyone to know that his kid is on the naughty list. But also he thinks everything's fine and he can just go down and helicopter. He doesn't need to helicopter parent. He can ghost parent Charlie and be like, we're good. You're not going to do this anymore. Awesome. Bye. And then he does it. He does vandalize the school again. And then that's when Scott is like an actual parent. And he does say a couple things that I do fully agree with. He's like, you gave them your word. You went back on your word. We don't do that. You do not go back on your word. Like he, you promised somebody. And so I was like, I think that's for how stupidly cartoony and goofy this movie was. I do think that was a really nice little tidbit of add in, but that's Charlie misbehaving is how we are introduced to principal Carol. Um, And so Charlie's whole thing. We don't know why he's misbehaving because he very clearly still loves his dad. And he very clearly is trying to help his dad throughout all of this. We don't find out until the almost end when Scott's time is just about up um, that Charlie just hates having to keep what his dad does a secret. Yeah, it was that came out of left field for me and I kind of liked it. Like I thought he was going to be like he's like doing graffiti. He's like acting out. It's being a bad kid. And I thought he was going to be like, fuck Christmas and fuck you. Yeah. And like, like I thought that it was going to be that. But instead, he was like, I am the best dad in the world. I can't tell anybody that you're Santa. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> like, shit, what the fuck, dude? I didn't expect that, but I, but it, I liked it. Like, I, I thought it, it was well I kind of thought it, it was okay. bad. The resolution is bad. The resolution, the resolution is, is that they tell the daughter, right? They tell His the daughter. Sister. And now two people can't say it, but somehow Charlie's okay with it because he has to be an adult and tell Principal Newman that his dad really is Santa. And I think that uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like he got to tell someone and I think that's all he wanted. And like yeah, he gets he's because he's been being told to keep it a secret from the first movie. I mean, honestly, yeah. it must be pretty traumatizing for Charlie that like when he did tell the secret, his dad lost custody of him and he was kidnapped. Oh, for the whole world the didn't believe like, him. There I, were cops all over his house, and yeah, yeah, like it's that all of that's pretty traumatizing. They could have explored it better. I actually really like Charlie as a character. He's great in the TV show too. And all uh, I know is that he doesn't want to do Santa, and he has a family of his own now. Yeah, and they like live in Florida or something, and he's just like, "No, Dad, like that, like I had a lot of fun in the sleigh, but like I'm not going to become Santa." Yeah. And he's like, "No, <laughs> oh no!" Like, and it's, but it's, it's, it's great. Like, I, I like Charlie, but yeah, I thought it was, uh, it surprised me in a good way. I think that that's what he was so mad about. It was very endearing. It was like, yeah, oh. I, I like that yeah, it wasn't like he's just a delinquent and fuck Christmas and shit, which is weird because that's I what thought he Carol would just be the is. Grinch. Yeah, fuck yeah. Christmas. Yeah, Carol's well, Carol's like very open to exploring Christmas, but but Charlie, I thought I thought would have said fuck Christmas, but I but to your point about telling the sister, he does say to her something about the greater good, doesn't he? Of like we have to keep it a secret, and now you do too, but that's for the best because of all the kids around the world and. I've learned but this she lesson. About clearly knew the whole time. She's been calling him out on being Santa from day one because the little kids can tell, right? There's a little kid that goes up to him when he's with Carol. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which, he's not, right? he doesn't even look like Santa. And yeah. in the first one or in the second one when they're at the park. So when Charlie gets in trouble again, he has to do community service, which was this also shows the signs of our times. By the way, the very arrogant, 
uh, overly athletically dressed white dudes that go walking past the principal are like, are you the one that is in charge of these delinquents? And uh, she's like, they're not delinquents. And he's like, well, just keep your gangbangers away from our our uh, basketball court. And I'm like, what the fuck are we saying right now? Like, what? who wrote this? Shit people said in the 90s. We keep thinking that we got away from it. Like, the more that we get into the late 90s and away from the 80s, the more we think that we're getting away from this stuff. But we this don't. It's terrible writing. Like, it's holy shit. Like, well, and also just like these tropes about like, just. The chain I don't know, gang shit and all that shit. believed in the yeah. 90s. Yeah, stuff that's like, is like vaguely racist. Like, there's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like uh, the 1990s. Yeah. But anyway, so that scene, they're standing there and he and Carol are flirting. And I'm like, oh my God, they actually have good chem- chemistry. And I really like this, especially because the scene right before this, I had to watch M- Molly Shannon sing in a restaurant. And I had secondhand embarrassment from that whole fucking scene. Molly Shannon was awesome. And she I is wish awesome. that it was like a bigger montage of people he dated, though. I wish it was I know, like I hate a it was just string her. of different women being ridiculous and like that he could only attract like Santa kink women like i just i i wish there'd been honestly just oh like that would have been so funny yeah i, wish I do also I, that. <laughs> I do also want to point out that this is the second time uh that we have seen molly shannon in a christmas obsessed role she was cindy lou who's mom who keeps stealing shit from around the house to better up their light show in the house that's right molly shannon's great <laughs> i love um, molly shannon um, but yeah, so that was just like, that was just weird for me. Um, Neil is kind of a lot more accepting of Scott and all this stuff. And it, they, it's, it's clear that he's been around enough that Lucy knows him and calls him uncle Scott. But at the same time, like they, st- Scott still takes enough time to shit on Neil. And I just like, I'm telling you guys, if you have learned anything about my sense of humor, it's like the weird cracks that he makes at Neil. Like in the first one, Charlie tries to tell Scott when he first gets to his house, he's like, Neil says that it's just a figment of your imagination. And Scott just goes, well, Neil's head comes to a point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck kind of insult was that? That was awesome. <laughs> it is it the the humor is good like yeah. it's it's truly funny like tim allen's a funny dude like it he works. is he's like a doing a thing that works here and and some of it is just like i don't know there's just bits of it that were crazy like we haven't even talked about like the the fucking council of magical <sighs> brethren or whatever and like yeah <laughs> the tooth fairy that is like Honestly, the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy kind of slayed it for me. Tooth Fairy and Cupid killed it for me. I loved both of them. He I didn't pi- need I the Easter him, Bunny. I loved him, but he pissed me off. No, the Easter Bunny scared me. Um, yeah. The Tooth Fairy pissed me off because the Tooth Fairy represents a trope that I hate and that is like a major driving factor in like toxic masculinity. Oh, like when he asks if his wings are too girly or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, Oh, I can't have wings because that makes me girly. And I don't, and like, Oh, I don't want to be a fairy. Cause that makes me girly. And let me tell you something right now to all the men who are listening. Who didn't watch the arrows tour no. with Lindsay just on Friday. All of, them. all of them. Even those who listened to the arrows tour who are not listening to this podcast. I can tell you that. <laughs> I just, I've read enough fantasy smut this fucking year. Oh my god! To be able to tell you, <laughs> without a doubt, like where's my court of thorn and roses, girlies that are listening to this right now? Because I'm like, really sand. I'm like, don't put your wings away, baby. Ever. Oh. Like, I just, I'm just saying. Like, there's like a lot of sexy shit happening out there, and like, 
I know there is driven fantasy. And I just think that like, this is such a toxic bullshit thing. And it's so untrue. It's so not what women think. And it's just like men doing it to themselves and driving this toxic masculinity of like, girly things are bad. And pink is bad because Barbie wears pink and I don't want to be girly and wings are bad because they're girly. And then I, and I just hate that all of it. Um, this, the idea that feminine things are bad is just like so obnoxious and it's just basic. Like I, I'm not even going to drill into it because it's just like basic shit, but I hate the existence of it. And this is just a reminder of it. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember how we got here. Thanks. 1994. Like, but but whatever, fine. Um, and I like, I, but I like how the Tooth Fairy, like plot wise, like that he like is like constantly carting them back and forth to the North Pole because they like can't figure out a way to get back because he runs out of magic and oh, they have yeah. to like fly to the North Pole <laughs> with the Tooth Fairy, and he brings Charlie, but Charlie brings with him his magic harness, which oh, Charlie spends the whole movie belaying in this harness, like to what to to like tag and do graffiti, but like also to like swoop into the North pole and save the day. And he never takes the harness off when he gets in the sleigh to deliver presents. He's still wearing oh, he's it. He's still got it on. I know it's like wonder woman's magic lasso. Like he carries it with him everywhere. Like it's part of the ensemble. Like it's like I mean, ready to go at a moment's notice. I get it as far as like in the beginning, they had to show why Charlie can do this and like how he's able to scale into the North pole, but stop it. Yeah, it was just the fact that he was still wearing it later and no. got into the sleigh. Like, he's just, like, constantly in the harness, like, which is not comfortable or, no. like, particularly attractive. And it's just, like, yeah. why why are we doing this? So I thought that was highly entertaining. I also approve of the elves dismembering the Nutcracker Guard later. Yeah, like, that, was was like, okay. that was rad. That was rad. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the one thing that really really fucking irritated me and i can't remember what movie we were just doing no i can't nope it was batman and robin it was batman and robin that we did this and i swear to god dude batman and robin should learn from this movie every single time that something hits something or collides with something it is the most it's the most Looney Tunes soundtrack of <laughs> in, of sound effects, and it's it takes me out of it. They did do that in Batman. It's very clear that this second one was one hundred percent made only for children, and I know that yeah. because Bernard is a complete one eighty to himself in the first one. In the first one, he's no nonsense. He's cracking jokes about how they didn't salt the turkey. Uh, he's yelling at Santa in front of all the kids or all the other elves in the workshop. In this one, he's like, oh, no. And, uh, and like, I can't watch. And, da, da. and I'm like, dude, fuck. What? What? Stop it. <laughs> That's it's, funny. It's just it, and it was the first thing I noticed was like, why are you like this right now? Bernard. Bernard. I Bernard, will t- did I? explain yeah he left to go on uh he get he left to get married no i didn't no that's not what happened i didn't explain this so he okay so he comes back and he so he's in this movie but he disappears in the third movie because presumably he's aged out like i like i said like i thought bernard would be way the fuck too old to do this so bernard comes back in the show and is called back from elf rumspringa hell yeah and it's called and i would not shit you Cribble Crabble. 
which is when the elves have to leave the North Pole. And it only, it only applies to the head elf. Only the head elf is required to do this. There is a Santa Claus that says that the head elf has to go on Rumspringa. Um, and there is no debating it whatsoever because uh, what's her name? The head elf in the TV show uh, doesn't uh, want to go on Cribble Crabble. And they say that you have to go on Cribble Crabble. And it's like a whole fucking thing. And I haven't finished that episode yet. I'm dying to see what happens. She's like my favorite part of the show. But uh <laughs> So, yeah, Bernard goes on fucking Cribble Crabble and never returns because he chooses to stay like you can do on Rumspringa. You can, like, never yeah, go back. Yeah, you don't right? have to go back, yeah. Yeah, so he, like, chooses to stay in the human world and, like, grows old. And so Bernard shows up and he's a billion years old in the sequel or in the TV show. And it's like, <laughs> Bernard, like, oh. So <laughs> I just, I don't know. I thought that was, like, the best way to bring him back through Elf Rumspringa. And, like, and they they talk about Cribble Crabble, like, a bunch in the first season and i'm just like this is awesome. I fucking love that like i love the like the stoners who are building out this world who are just like let's retcon the fuck out of it let's like, yeah. expand the, it's exactly the, what it feels like the yule verse it's literally the episode is called across the yule verse like disney plus is doing something really special right now yeah they are holy Christmas. shit <laughs> so anyway carol as we said carol. Uh, is here her plot line is pretty much fine she has a more interesting thing happening in the show uh what, she she's want to pregnant be i guess that's i guess that's no, no this one she's the not third the third one, one that she's pregnant, pregnant. that's the whole thing one, yeah sorry i'm thinking what? ahead yeah so they she sort of is like fine i'll marry a guy i just met like 15 seconds ago she make they make fun of that in the tv show that she did that but also what she can like they do put her in a position of like hey we hooked up once and like if you don't marry me, Christmas is ruined forever. But if you do marry me, like they cut, she doesn't have like a lot of choice. That's kind of like <laughs> my one problem with the movie. It's because like up to that point, it is so clear that they are falling for each other and they have feelings. And she even says when Scott tries to tell her that he's Santa Claus, she even says like, you have feelings for me and you're afraid to get close to somebody again and it's okay. But you're the way you're going about this is really messed up. And I, I told you this very emotional heart thing about my family, which that part of the movie really sucks shit. Like from an emotional part, it was like, it was the most real feeling like reason someone doesn't like Christmas. I think that we've had in a long time, which is funny because another one of my favorite Christmas movies, the holiday has the exact same trope. That's with Kate Winslet. Holiday. Yeah. Kate Winslet, Jack Black, Jude yeah, Law. Yeah, yeah. That one's really good. I That's not that the movie. one I watched. Cause you told me to watch it that I hadn't seen before. That's no, that I was actually... probably love actually. No, I've obviously I've I lived in Britain. Okay, well I'm just saying I don't know. I have been to see I saw, yeah. No, I'm thinking of uh, it wasn't actually a Christmas movie. It was just a rom com with Ryan Reynolds in it. Do you have me watch that you really liked? And I thought it was perfectly serviceable. Waiting? No, that's not a rom com. I think it was Sandra Bullock. Oh, uh, oh, god damn it! <laughs> the uh, the proposal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I watched that on your behest, and it was good. It no, was uh, the whole. I saw in theaters and it was probably the last Christmas movie I saw in theaters. But like, I remember that and the Grinch. uh, Sorry, not the Grinch. I did see that in theaters though. Uh, I was thinking of Elf and 
and Love, Love Actually. Actually. Those were all like theater Christmas movies, which is kind of a dying thing. This was a theater Christmas movie. I can't yeah. think of the last time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Carol's like thoroughly in a Christmas movie. I really enjoyed their sleigh ride and like her being yeah. like, yeah, Well, that's what I mean. Like it. watching them like fall for each other was like my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, it was good. The A plot is good. Yes. It's the evil nutcrackers that wasn't doing it for me. Nope. The A plot was just fine. Um, we did already talk about Charlie. I don't have any real random room of requirement stuff here, except that uh, it took four and a half hours for Scott to get, or for Tim Allen to get into the fat suit in the first movie. And you had to add another three hours onto that for the prosthetics when he was toy Santa. How hard is it to, okay. First of all, the toy Santa prosthetics shouldn't have been that hard. This is where the money went. Yeah. Uh, that was a that should have been a helmet. Why the fuck? Okay. <laughs> um, second of all, I don't understand why it takes that long to get into a fat suit when you're wearing a coat. It's not as though it was like it's not like no, it's not Thor and in in Endgame. Endgame where he looks like a bowl of melted ice cream. Well, he's naked though. He that has to look good. It can't just be well, you know what I mean. But he's like in the suit the whole time. He's except not- for when he goes to the doctor because when he goes to the doctor, he has to lift his shirt up. So that yeah, the first okay, one, so for like one second. Yeah, but even that, I was like, damn, okay. Like, I believe that Tim Allen is this fat right now. But, like, but the rest of the movie, you're right. Like, it's just like he's in winter clothes. Like, what the fuck? Like dude? That hard. Yeah. But all right. That's let's all I have about, for the second one. The third. Oh let's talk about movie three. So, speaking of the fat suit, my first note on this is that I always appreciate that they always find a way, a way to get him out. Tim Allen not to be in the fat suit. Yeah, yeah. For big portions of the movie, it's like, no, we're just going to not wear the fat suit. Like, Tim Allen is like, a lot yeah. of the time, not in the fat suit. So I think that's amazing. Um, Bernard has finally aged out of being an elf at this yep. point. By the time we get to movie three, he is now officially too old. So he is on Elf Rum Springer. He's gone. And we get Curtis, as Curtis. The head elf, which I approve of. Curtis is like, looks like the kid from uh, A Christmas Story. Yeah, but he's not. He's not. He's not anybody. I looked it up. He's literally. Oh, no, he's one. not. This is like the only thing he's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like the kids from uh, Chia Chia Bang Bang. They didn't really do anything after this. <laughs> so, and Ron Weasley. So in this movie, oh. uh, Carol Claus, which I I appreciate her name choice. I think that mm-hmm. Carol for Mrs. Claus is good. Yeah. She is pregnant. Yeah, she is. And uh, in the North Pole and missing her family. So they bring her, her mom and dad to the North Pole, even though they have been gaslit into believing that. Scott is a businessman. Who travels a lot. Yeah. And that they live in fucking Canada and this is Canada. Oh, that's the what elves, it is. Yeah. Like, the elves make it like it's Canada. And this is where they live now. And she's been like taken away to Canada by her crazy husband. fat husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy fat husband. Holy Dude, shit. for real. Can you imagine though? Like I, she's so out of like his league. It's like unreal. She like, so is. She, but also. So, I'm so glad that they didn't decide. They decided not to put her in a fat suit too. Like I'm so they glad they do put her in one in the the credits. Yeah. of the second movie. Yep. And it's weird, and I hate it. I'm glad they didn't too. I, I and they comment on that a lot in the TV show. Uh, oh, that she doesn't. No, not that she doesn't. They just talk about like the idea of Mrs. Claus. 
Like they talk about like the caricature of Mrs. Claus and she's yeah. like, what the fuck is this? And then she has this whole thing where she's like, who were the other Mrs. Clauses? Like yeah. why? And of course that leads into the reveal that there aren't any prior Mrs. Clauses because they like. Didn't need to have one. Well, they, well, Santa was like an ethereal being. This yeah. is the first human Santa. Like the reveal that the clauses were written for Tim Allen or like, is like, okay. So. But she's really obsessed with like her identity as Mrs. Claus and she's tired of all her like Mrs. Claus clothes. And she like in the second season of the TV show, she's just wearing jeans. She's just like, no, like this is (laughs) like ridiculous. She's like, I'm just going to be myself. And like she goes on a whole arc in the TV show about like wanting to be useful and what is Mrs. Claus's job. And like this is fucking ridiculous. I'm tired. She's a principal or she's a teacher in the North Pole, right? Yeah, but she's also, like, pretty sick of, like, Mrs. Claus doesn't really have, like, a job. I don't know. She's just, like, an old lady on she's the She's the first of lady of the North Pole. Yeah, but she doesn't have any, like, proper duties. Like, it wasn't well thought out. Like, uh, yeah. like really, when you think about it, like, the reason that the Mrs. Claus exists is because they wanted Santa to be a hereditary position. They specifically say that. Yeah. So, honestly, like, she's a little bit, like, Handmaid's Tale up there. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, the, if you really think about, like, how the elves conceived of it, her role is just there to have babies. Like, the Mrs. Claus role is is really, like, kind of non-existent. And she's, like, yeah. her teaching with the elves, like, they're all so – they don't give a fuck. They So it's she's not, like, satisfied when she's teaching yeah. the elves. Like, when they – yeah, she's having a hard time. And, and then, of course, Santa's never around because he's in charge of the North Pole. So she's pregnant and it's Christmas time, which is, like, so poorly thought out. Like, oh, my God, wear a condom. Like, I – like, think about it. Like, it's just add plus nine, guys, plus nine. Yeah. You don't have to be in labor on Christmas Eve. Like, just think it through. But they are in labor on Christmas Eve. And, um, well, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, – yeah, so I don't know. That's the that's the movie, right? Is she's like, I I wish that I had my parents here, and they fly them up, and it's awkward as fuck, and and Scott can't hold it together, and then simultaneously there's the whole council of Jack Frost, whatever, and Jack Frost is on the council, but he's like, he's bitter. Be, I'm like, it's I a can't very even Jack Frost tell you what story. the fuck this is about. Yeah, Jack Frost like wants to be. Santa. And so well, he, he wants his own holiday. Like, he wants to be as important as the rest of them. And uh, Father Time says it. He's like, you herald a season. You are not the season keeper. Right. Like, and Jack's like, fuck you guys. There's no songs about him. And he's always getting into trouble. He's kind of like a Loki. Yeah. He's like, no, still trust me, though. But it's me. I'm part of the gang. And they're like, but yeah. every time that we trust you. You fuck us over. And he's like, that's fine. Like, it's like, this like, time that's I learned like, my lesson. I promise. Yeah. It's very Loki. That's like the, the whole thing. And so he has, there's a special snowman with the escape clause, right? Yeah. Which is the name of the movie that if you go see the snow globe and you say, I wish I had never been Santa at all, that you are transported back in back time. In time. Yep. Which, why the fuck does this exist if the elves designed this? Like, my God. So To get him out of it, if he's like, clause. fuck you guys. If it backfired. There's and a retirement cl- Oh, yeah. If, the, if it backfired and they were like, we need to go back and start over for yeah. the first time. Yeah, that works. Actually, that makes sense. So that's what they do. They start over and they reverse time and they have an epic fight to like try and get the coat because <laughs> yeah. whoever gets the coat. And it's like. Jack Frost gets the coat and then he turns Christmas into like dystopian Christmas. And then they have to like go back in time again so that Tim Allen can allow himself to get the coat. I did like how they use the original footage. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I thought it was really awesome. 
Yeah, of him originally killing Santa. So it was like this whole franchise is so insane. Like how out of context all those words that I just said are fucking. Oh, I know. Insane. It's insane. They have a I fight around Santa. a snowman and after they killed Santa. Like, yeah. He so it's insane. And yet it's like kind of like the honestly, the logic is is approaching. It's sound. Yeah. Like they have like the the world building in this, like because of the show, because of the sort of backwards retconning that they've done in the show. <laughs> they managed to create it's very Star Wars. Like they've just been like, look at what we have. Yeah. What can we do to it to make it like you know? So they the show has has really done a lot for me. I like it enormously. <laughs> and the Yule verse is awesome. Like they yeah. like it's a very cool, it's like an awesome place to be. So I'm like not even sorry about the Santa Claus three, the escape clause. Which I is feel like it's like if we insane. had gotten to see Jack go through the other holiday doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. It reminds me of that. And yeah. I like the holiday doors. I was thinking about that. Yeah, I think that would be a really like cool that. idea. And it, I said it earlier too, guys. Like I love Martin Short and I love when he's on screen and he does a great job as Jack Frost. And one of my favorite jokes in this movie is I love when people just seriously disconnect from reality and like their narcissism comes out when he tries to put up a sign at the North pole talking about frostmas, he's like, I've done it. And then the sign falls down and he looks at Curtis and she goes, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> just walks away. The shit like that, that cracks me up. And Martin short pulls all of this off really well. And he does. They also do a crazy weird job of making him look good as frost Santa. Yeah, he does look good as Frost Santa, doesn't he? Yeah, it's weird. I thought all of the makeup looked good for him. And like, and I have to say, like, I know that this is supposed to be like the worst thing that was ever made, but like, I don't I don't have a problem with a Christmas movie that does a, the the trope that's like the Dickens trope of like you gotta learn your you lesson a, or it's like no, it's like an alternate universe. It's yeah. a wonderful life does the same thing, right? When he's like running, like so he gets like he loses, right? They go, he gets tricked into executing the escape clause by Jack Frost. Jack Frost steals the identity of Santa. And then it's like, he doesn't have any of his memories, but he like wakes up 12 years later as though the, he would never was Santa. And it's like, the kids hate him and don't talk to him. Like even his wife is divorced from the sweater guy. Yeah. So like, she divorces, miserable. <laughs> she like, divorces they- Neil because Charlie, because Scott is a workaholic and it weighs on Charlie and they can't, she can't handle how Neil is approaching it. And so they get divorced. You find out that Carol moved away like years ago and they never even met. Yeah. Um, and then Lindsay like, Lucy said, doesn't but it, care about it. Lucy doesn't give a shit. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, and nobody recognizes him, right? He's like at yeah. the North Pole, and people don't recognize because so they Jack Frost turns the North Pole into like a tourist attraction, and yeah, stops so doing you can- Santa and just says the kids have to come to me. I'm not going to deliver presents, and he charges them, and like yeah, so you can takes- pay to get on the good list. Yeah, so he list. takes the airplane to the North Pole and is like it like flies through the vortex, and he like lands in the North Pole. And nobody knows who he is because because Neil and and what's her name are there, and then you know, it's just chaos ensues. But I don't have a problem with a Christmas <laughs> movie that does that. The thing where it's like the alternate universe and no one knows you. I mean, like it's like where Bob your life Pratchett would be trying to talk yeah. to his 
his past and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, it's like it's a wonderful life, and and then it's like, oh no, what day is it, sir? It's Christmas Day. Oh, there's still time to make it right. Like it was like one of those. Like it was like, I I know this is objectively bad, but like, oh no, God, it, it's not that bad. No, like it's it, all right. Watching it as a whole and like watching them back to back as I had, like it it's enjoyable enough. And again, I have a lot of biases with Martin Short, so I gave this one a lot of slide. It, it, we didn't even talk about it in the second one, but holy shit, you guys, the fucking reindeer are, I, oh I'm my getting worse God. and worse and it's, worse. Why Comet is talking, I can't. I even. hate I that. Just, I like, hated that so hated much. So if much. you could, if I could literally go back and change only one thing about these movies, it would be that the fucking reindeer talk. Yeah. I honestly think I would back that up too. And all the fart jokes. Yeah. I just, yeah, there's like a lot to not like here, but also I will say like, if I went and saw the Santa Claus three, fucking whatever it's called, I the escape clause, whatever, I would be raging if I went and saw that in the theater and paid for it. Like I oh, say, I like yeah. I like for me to watch it on Disney Plus, I'd be like, what a lovely little Christmas romp. Like shut. <laughs> but if I, like I, I would be out of my mind on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, fucking giving this a seventeen percent. If I oh yeah, for it. absolutely, so I, I I'd be to say, so like, pissed. To be fair, this did attempt to go to theaters, but anyway. Yeah. So that's that's that movie. And then he becomes Santa again and they have the baby and everything's fine, right? Now. Well, hold on. About, is there anything else to say about there that? Is one it, thing. it just because sort of is. They kind of like shoehorn the resolution for Jack in that Lucy has magic hugs. And it becomes Oh, I a, loved the Olaf, the like pre-Olaf concept. I was here for it. The warm hugs. It was weird. No, I get it. It's same, a warm hug, it? but it's very the Grinch. Oh, totally. Where yeah. like, his heart grew three sizes. He's a completely different person, and he loves his job now, and he's happy as fuck, and he leaves to do his job, and everyone's like, wow, you did it. And I'm like, why the fuck didn't we just think of that from the beginning? That was tropey as hell. Yeah. Yeah. But other that than that, no, funny. I don't have very much negatively to say about it, other than if I paid for this, I'd want my money back. Yeah. Yeah. So it happened. That's yeah. a move. That's a thing that happened. And now, tell me about the show. Yeah, as we wrap up here, because somehow this is two hours long. When, Always. When I had like three notes on two movies. <laughs> um, the show is fucking fire. I can't believe that the whole cast is the same. Like, I like <laughs> they say in this, it carries on the theme. I think of the last two, which we didn't even just say this about the third movie, but the the whole thing with the in laws when they come there is that they're like pissed that he's an absent dad, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to spend Christmas with my family, like, but I never will. And like, that's kind of what the show jumps right in on is that like, they don't ever get to spend Christmas together because he's always working through Christmas. Well, and the kids have been raised in the North Pole. They don't know anything about the world. Yeah. And except for the the son has a VR headset that he just like, his whole thing is that he's like living in like rural Ohio. Like, what and he loves fuck? it. Like, he's just, like, going to the bank. Like, he's, like, just wants to be in the, like, literally, he just wants to be in the real world. And he's just, like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe, like, how great it, like, riding the bus. Like, it's, and so they, the head elf, I can't remember her name, but she's great. She's really, really good in the show. And she says, you know, the job's not conducive to being an engaged parent. And I'm, like, oh, no, sorry, that's, it's Charlie says that. Charlie says that to, uh, that's why he won't take the job. He says this job's not conducive to being an engaged parent. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, first of all, that's the most millennial like slash Gen Z comment I've ever heard in my life. Um, and love it. 
and it's super real. It's like, okay, so he's having a hard time being like, I'm going to be here for my family. I'm going to like know what's going on with them and spend Christmas with them. So then they decide to take the retirement clause, which says you can choose a successor and then step down as Santa and give them the coat. And it's all about the coat. And so they do like interviews for like who should become Santa because they decide not to give it to his kids. Yeah, one of them's Peyton Manning. (laughs) It's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, and it turns out to be uh, the the other star of season one is yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's wicked funny, and he's like Jeff Bezos, basically. He wants to be Jeff Bezos. Yeah. He says, we'll make Christmas every day and then we'll give people whatever they want all the time in the drone system that uses like the the portals, right? Like that Santa uses so that we can get it out really fast. And then he has to learn that Christmas is about giving and not receiving. And also Tim Allen has to learn that as much fun as they're having in like rural Chicago. Yeah, they're like living outside of Chicago and he's like, this is great, but also like we should be Santa though. Like I wasn't supposed to not be Santa. I wasn't supposed to step down yet. Like none of this is right. And the the coat the whole time has been trying to escape the new Santa. Oh, now and, it's alive. And, yeah, it's just like Dr. Strange's Dr. coat. Strange. And, it, and it escapes. And I shit you not, everything that I'm about to say is canon and I just can't believe how much more insane this, this whole world gets the more I talk about it. Uh, the coat disappears such that he the new santa can never put it on and actually become santa and then smuggles itself to the home of a witch that lives in like the candy cane forest and <laughs> stays in her home until she is found by the new head elf who finds it there and then leaves it because they know that it's like the new santa's not right and something's bad and elves are disappearing and there's like honestly this whole lore is like so complicated. So the show is fucking insane, but it, it, the season one ends with them going back, leaving Chicago, deciding not to live in the real world. But I'm really interested in it because the kids seem to like the real world, but also want to be in the North Pole. And it's like Cal like wants the son, like wants to be Santa, but also like does not have the acumen to be Santa. And I'm just like <laughs> not sure what's going to happen. Like I'm like. I don't I don't know. I don't know what's good. I'm like really excited to watch the rest of the season two, but I gotta say, like the show is good. Like the visit to the Yuleverse, great. Krampus, 10 out of 10. Like there is like so much. By the good way, her shit. name is Betty. What? The um Oh, the head elf. The head elf, her name her name is Betty. Yeah, for sure, for sure. No doubt. <laughs> she had no idea what I'm talking about. She's the new chief of staff. No, and I know she's what Noel's. you mean. I just don't. I just don't actually care. Yeah, she's Noel's Noel's wife. Yeah. Uh, Matilda Lawler. I don't know her from anything. She's in nothing, but she's she's young, but she looks like a bunch of other actresses. Mm. Um, she looks like the girl from The Handmaids, who played young Tanya in I Tanya. Oh. Okay. She's like so fucking talented. Um, anyway, that's all I have to say. I really like the show. I think it's good. The Santa Claus is fucking fire. Like, let's go. All the Santa Clauses, like, just keep doing it. Like, the whole thing's great. 10 out of 10. Like, honestly, just 10 out of 10. I think, I think overall, <laughs> overall, I think it's really good. It was an absolute Christmas miracle. Like, I really enjoyed the hell out of it. It put me in the spirit. Like, 
There's a lot of lore. There's a lot to like here for some for people like us who are like kind of fantasy nerds. Like we oh, like yeah. deep lore. Like so, if you're if you're into that kind of thing and you want the world building and you want the lore, like it may not be the highest quality, but it is free for you to watch on Disney Plus, and uh, it does like while it slumps in movies two and three, it absolutely skyrockets in the show. And there's way more of the show than there are of the movies. It's like 12 episodes of television. So I, you know, I'm totally watching it now. Just off your recommendation. I didn't expect it to be this glowing. I recommend everything about the Santa Claus. (laughs) I think top to bottom. It's great. Like I really like, there's nothing I didn't like here. Scott, I, I, I love that. Tell for me your you. thoughts and take us out of here. <laughs> I, I like. I do enjoy the movies. I, <clears throat> I love the first one. Obviously, like the first one gets ten out of ten for me, even with its glaring like holes and like issues and no, stuff like so that. No, it's so good. It's it funny is just, and it's yeah. like genuinely good. Like has yeah. depth. The second one, I can't give it a ten because of the fucking reindeer and the mm. just complete one eighty and toy Santa. But I will still give it a seven out of ten. Um, just because I love the Carol storyline. The third yeah. one, I got to give like a five out of 10, like Martin short kept this That's one. Afloat. A high rating for the third I one. know I, I Martin short kept it alive. The jokes were hit or miss him telling him that he's not Santa anymore. He's just a dude that smells like a cookie was fucking hilarious to me. So I was like, okay, that's like, that's, there's some really good singers. Dude, no, there's so many good singers, like straight up, like in the show, when they memory wipe someone, they say that they got the gaslight crew on it. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a ridiculous elf CIA that's run by this one eyed jaded child that taunts, like, he's just like, Honestly, you have to go watch the show, right? Like, we need to, like, wrap up and you need to go watch it. Like, it's really so good. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Anyway, that is – that's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, again, we hope that you enjoyed this Christmas episode as much as we enjoyed making it and uh, enjoyed watching the – clearly, we enjoyed watching these. Um just like we do every year, I want to thank you guys so much for being fans of the show and, you know, everything that you guys do for us as far as like listening and writing in on Instagram and telling us like what you guys want us want to hear and, you know, what you think and stuff like that. Like we love any chance we get to interact with you guys. So thank you guys so much. This is so fun for us to do. It's been kind of a bumpy year with Lindsay moving and an amazing a lot going on. stuff. And yeah, it's just, but I, you yeah, know. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us yeah. through that. <laughs> There's some of the like, what are we doing and where am I at? And like, t- and taking breaks and things like that for life. But yeah. it's been a good year of the pod, though. And we look forward to season four in 2024. And yeah, thank you guys for all the support. Like, share, subscribe, follow us on Patreon. Every time. And always, guys, like, we love hearing from you. Email us, even if you're just like, I agree. Like, I'm still just going to be like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, Thanks, let us know guy. what you guys want to see. You know, next holiday season. We know. I know we threw some options out there. Let yeah. us know. Do you want us to do Hallmark? Do you want us to do the Nutcrackers? I'm thinking it's or the Home Alone. I'm thinking I think it's, it's going to be Hallmark, Hallmark or Home Alone. But like, yeah, just yeah. saying. Like, <laughs> but uh, and you know, we have an Earth Day special this year that we did based on a yep. request. We're going to do Armageddon versus Deep Impact for Earth Day. So if you guys have <laughs> other like verses or mashups and stuff you want to see us do specials on, let us know. We got a whole year of holiday coming up in 24. We could do, you know, 
you name it, guys. We fuck. We could do the two towers for Arbor Day and just do it by itself and not talk about the other movies and just it's randomly true. review the two towers on Arbor Day. We and could only talk about the treants. Yeah, we could. Oh, it'd be great. We could do an episode on Arbor Day that is just we literally just talk about the ends and yeah. story. Like it's not, and that's it. I could, I could very happily. I know you could, that. and I happily would too. I just have to get to that part in the Silmarillion. Ugh, you're not going to. It's not a thing. I mean, okay, it is a thing, but it's also like. We could talk about that. If you guys would like to see an Ent-focused Arbor Day special. <laughs> be the most unhitched episode you know, of all time. And I'll be over here hitting this vape, coming up with more just Tell totally crazy shit. It. Yes, please. But obviously, guys, check us out on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram. Like, subscribe, all that fun shit. But until we see you in 2024, until we see you on the next episode, the next season, please have a wonderful holiday. Have a very happy and safe new year and uh, stay nerdy. Keep throwing your cats, Lindsay. <laughs> it was like, you going nuts. Like, legit. Like, eating animals dude. away from the mic. What a way to end. <laughs> <laughs>